And this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, a specific topic. You'll probably notice when you came in, you got a bulletin and there's an envelope in your bulletin. What does it say on your envelope? Has anybody opened it? Come on. Okay. Little, any rebels out there? Okay. Hold on to it. Don't open it. Set it to the side. I know it's going to bug you for a while. But I want you to, this is part of the message, I, w- I just want you to hear my heart, is we're going to talk about, just over the next few weeks, I want to talk to you, and I'm going to start with the truth about giving. Uh, a lot of times, uh, people want to avoid this topic on public speaking because like, oh man, they're going to talk about money, they're going to talk about, uh, you know, how the church needs this and the church needs that. And now we are going to talk about giving, but this goes way beyond your checkbook or your wallet or your purse, it goes way beyond your calendar, and it gets right to the heart. What God is after more than anything else when he says that we are to be a giving people, God is after our heart. And so we're going to take a look at that. Uh, I'm going to end up at Luke chapter 12, and we're going to kind of go through that. But I I also want to reference just a little from Chronicles from a man named David in the Bible who got this right. David was a man in the Bible who kind of went off the rails. Do you remember that? He made some poor choices. He had an affair with Bathsheba. The Bible says he took a consensus, which just simply means he was counting what he had and putting his faith in that rather than counting on the Lord. And though he was wrong and made some poor choices, not only did he get off track, but it was the word of God that got him back on track, right? Okay? And it's the same word that will be there for you and me when we're going through these times. You know, I, um, I, I use my GPS quite often when I'm going someplace. Do you guys do that? Uh, I mean, obviously, maybe, you know, I'm going to Quickstar. I don't need GPS for that. But if I'm going to the Quad Cities or uh, if you want me to find your house, if I'm coming over there, even though I live in the same town, I, I don't know where you live. I'll punch it into the GPS. Um, anybody ever before, you know, the GPS days, remember, you know, Rand McNally and getting out the Mapco and all that stuff and, and uh, using that, you know, when you ran out of a page, it'd say, turn to page 65, and you turn real quick and try to find out where you're going. Sometimes I would get lost. Anybody here ever get lost? You better raise your hand. (laughs) Now, anybody here ever get lost and they don't want to admit it? Trick question. You're not going to raise your hand, so it it happens. How many of you have ever used your GPS and your GPS led you in the wrong place? That's a lot of, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a lot. For as much faith as we put in GPS, that's a lot of hands that went up there. And my point simply is this. I think sometimes we place our faith way more in our GPS than we do in the Word of God. Now, I just, I'm saying that. I'm not trying to step on toes. But what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, we, we, it, it's good. We can agree God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I'm not making fun of that. But then all of a sudden, that same God that's good can say, give, and we go, uh, get thee behind me, you know, I don't want to, or he brings discipline or correction or something, and sometimes we struggle. But it's the same God that loves us. And I want to talk about this truth behind, behind giving. Sometimes GPS might lead you astray, but the Word of God never will. Sometimes GPS can be helpful, but, but if we tend to rely on it more than we rely on the Word of God, we'll end up in places we never wanted to be. And so the Bible is God's GPS. It's his word that he gives to you and to me. But, but this book, this word of God, it's only going to help us out if we will listen to it. My GPS can keep telling me to turn left, and it can keep telling me to turn right, and it can keep telling me to recalculate. I hear that one a lot. But if I don't do something with what 
the GPS is saying, what good is it? Well, in the same way, if the Word of God is speaking to us, but yet we don't do something with it, what good is it? We're not going to see the benefits. And so the Word of God, again, is God's GPS to guide us in life so that we can have direction. David went off the rails, but he got back on the right track because he listened to the Word of God. So much so that it says that, that David was, was uh, known as a man after God's own what? Hearts. He wasn't known after God, his wallet. He wasn't known by his, his importance or his, his necessarily his influence. He was known by his, his heart that was cultivated. And that is the exact thing that God is after with you and me when he talks to us about giving. Let me read to you just a couple scriptures. This is um, David talking about God. In 1 Chronicles 29 11, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. It's the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in heaven... And earth is yours, O Lord. He declares that. He says everything in heaven, everything on earth, it belongs to him. And you and I, we're just simply here on this earth. And like everything in heaven and earth, uh, we're part of God's possession, right? We're his creation. We're his children, his sons and his daughters. So he's, he's reminding us that we belong to him. He goes on and says, riches and honor, they come from you, God, alone. They come from you. Our riches. Now, I know. When I say that, people are always kind of shaking their head like, you don't know me, do you? I'm not rich. Well, you're breathing, aren't you? That, that's a richness right there. Do you have your health? Well, pastor, I got some struggle. Yeah, yes, but are, are, you, are, you, are you here for another day? Yes, then you're rich because God's got something in your life. It's not always about money and property and houses and, and all of that. He says, riches and honor come from you alone. And then he says, God, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. So he's saying your influence, uh, the gifts that you and I have, guess where they come from? They come from God alone. And he says it right, right there at the end of 1 Chronicles 29, 12. It is at your discretion that the people are made great and are given strength. So it's at the discretion of God that he passes out the gifts that he gives to everybody. We, we don't deserve any of it, do we? I mean, really, we're, we're born into this sin nature, but God yet gives us the gift of life. He gives us the gift of time. He gives us the gift of relationship. He gives us the gift of finances, whatever that is. And I know everybody here is going to be on a different level, but every one of us, we're experiencing the gifts of God. And every gift comes from God. Every gift does. Uh, at the top of your outline, write down this little bullet here. This is, here's what we want to capture today, and, and this is it. I am a steward, not an owner. Say that with me. I am a steward, not an owner. I, I, I want to just kind of work this a little bit, talk about it, because this world is trying to get us to have an ownership mentality. If you own your own business, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I, but it's making sure you understand the business that you own, you own because God has given you the gifts to be able to get or do what you do. Now steward that. Steward that well. We're going to talk about the difference of that in just a moment, because a lot of times when I tell people, you are a steward, you're not an owner. One of the first things they want to say is probably one of the first things I thought too, but I learned it at a younger age, so I didn't have a house then or anything, but people will say, oh, hold on, pastor, wait a minute, I own my house. I've paid for it. You don't understand, I've worked the hours, I've done the overtime, I've paid the bills. The bank, I've got a deed, I own this house, I own this car. It's been notarized and everything, right? It's official. 
But the reality is, is you have what you have and you own what you own because God has gifted it to you. Because there's going to come a day, can we all agree, I know this isn't a pleasant thought, but there, there's, there's an expiration date on each and every one of our lives, correct? We just don't know when that day is. So though you may own something or feel that you own something, what happens when your day comes? That stuff's given away to somebody else. So you're not really an owner. You're a steward of what you have or what God has given you. And so we have to make sure to change our mentality on this because there's three little bullets and write these down. Uh, Because everything I have, first of all, comes from God. Because everything I have, the second one, belongs to God. And then the third one, everything is distributed by God. When we get talking about ownership and stewardship, we have to remind ourselves that everything we have comes from God, belongs to God, and it was given to us by God just simply because he loves you, just simply because he loves me. David caught this. Now, he, he had some hiccups along the way, but David caught this heart of a steward. He made a transition from an owner to a steward. He, he said, even if it's in my possession, that doesn't necessarily mean that I possess it. I just, I have it for a season. I have it for a moment in time. And the question is, is are you just going to own it so you can say that you own it? Or are you going to steward it so it can be something that can be used for the kingdom of God? Are you going to steward it so that it can be used to reach out to your neighbor? Are you going to use it so you can reach out to your coworkers, whatever that means and however that works? Are, are you, do you get that stewardship mind and mentality? Because an owner says, it's mine, Right? I always use this phrase, it's the, the ownership mentality says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can, right? Mine, more. It, it's language like, like that. But we have to take on this new mentality of being a steward. The, the, the ownership mentality is so prevalent that, I've shared this before, but one of the, the businesses that keep rising is self-storage containment units. It always is. Why is that growing so so immensely around the world. You know why? Because people want more stuff. They just want more stuff. Well, pastor, is there something wrong with having stuff? No, 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 I'm not saying that. Uh, Your home, your car, your clothes, your friends, your whatever it is, it's very good. Those are blessings and gifts that God has given you, uh, that he has given you. But just make sure that what he's given you is not taking ownership of you. Remember where you came from. You belong to God. Everything you get comes from God. He distributes it freely. But in this world, it's going to tell you to own it. Keep all that you can. Hoard it all up. So I went on the internet, and I decided to just Google. How many self-storage, uh, public self-storage containment units are there near me? And immediately, 29 came up in the immediate area, just where I'm at, you know, just in Clinton. So Clinton, Comanche, Fulton, Morrison, you know, areas like that. 29 of them. And I thought, well, that's pretty impressive. Because you've got to remember, one self-storage unit business has hundreds of, uh, of little, you know, mini garages, storage areas. And so I thought, well, I'll, I'll Google how many in the Quad City area. And I couldn't keep up with it. There were so many. Immediately it popped up, and it said there's, a, you know, a minimum of 80 locations in this one vicinity. And then it said, click next page to see more, next page to see more, next page to see more. Just one after another. There's approximately, they estimate, 1.9 billion square feet of rental storage space Uh, all over the U.S. because people want to own stuff. 10.6% of people have these self-storage units. Now, if you're here today and you have a self-storage unit, I'm not saying that's wrong. 
I'm not saying that's bad. If you're watching this online, I'm not saying it's wrong. We need those. It's okay to have those. But is it because we have to use them for a season and time, or is it because we just have to keep accumulating more stuff so we can feel better about ourselves? See, that's where we can define the difference between owner and, sto- uh, owner and stewardship. Because what we do in this world is, is we try to accumulate. Uh, and then we have, to, we have to go rent out some mini little tomb to hide all our stuff in, right? We get this mentality of like the Egyptians. I can take it with me, so I got to build my pyramid and cram everything in it so that I can take it with me. But you've all heard the saying before, there's no U-Haul behind a hearse, right? You can't take it with you. And so the moment that you and I, that this life ends here, that that stuff that we have goes to somebody else. Somebody else will have that. But yet we struggle with wanting more. Could it be that maybe we just need to change our thinking about it's not necessarily wrong to have things. It's just how are we going to steward them and use them to not only be blessed, but to be a blessing to those that are around us. I remember what it's like. I still struggle with it at times. I think I'm better than I, I, I was, but I really will have to ask my wife about that one because you know how you think you're doing better and then you look at your wife and she's shaking her head. Mm, I don't think so. Um, but, you know, I would always keep stuff and hold on to stuff and hoard stuff. I'd be very nostalgic. And, but I remember one time that Seth and I, he was a little guy. We'd always go to the baseball card shop, Drea and uh, uh, Seth. I uh, forgot his name for a second there. That's horrible. Uh, you know, that other kid I had, you know him. And what were we talking about? Uh, baseball cards. We went to the baseball card shop, and it was just kind of a fun thing that we would do. And we had, we'd started getting these baseball cards. And I couldn't tell you which ones were popular and which ones weren't. It was just a fun thing to do. But we just had scads of them, boxes of them. And I remember Lisa said, hey, are you guys going to get rid of some of these baseball cards? And Seth and I looked at her like she just, you know, she just said the most horrible thing you could ever say in the world. And we're like, uh, shut your mouth. What are you talking about? My baseball cards? You know? you don't want to do that. And we start inching towards the baseball cards and inching away from mom, right? Because this is my stuff. This is ours. We, we want this. We own this. This could be valuable someday. That's a line I've used a lot, right? You know, you don't understand. I, in 20 more years, this thing will double in value, right? And so we, we hold on to things. And so Seth and I, you know, we were like, you know, Wonder Twin Powers, activate. And we had to join forces against you know, mom trying to steal the baseball cards. And uh, having said that, I haven't seen them in a while. I'm kind of wondering now where they've ended up. <laughs> I'll pick that up a little later. That was a Holy Spirit moment right there. He's like, Jim, you need to go check out these baseball cards. You know, I'm dropping this right in your lap, brother, and they're, they're disappearing. So, um, but I remember Seth and I just like, no, we want, we want our stuff. And um, as much as we can laugh about little st- stories like that, and you can remember your own childhood, and you can remember your children. Could it be that sometimes God's saying, you know what, the stuff I gave you wasn't for you to possess. It wasn't for you to own. It was for you to steward. How can you bless others with what you have? We make this transition of being stewards and not owners because everything comes from God and everything belongs to God, and God distributes them uh, to to everyone. And then when you flip over to the book of Luke in the Gospels, Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through about 21. I'm just going to kind of break them down and go through them. But here we see that he speaks right from the word of God. He says, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. 
Your possessions don't make you who you are. God makes you who you are. He gives you all the gifts that you need. Now, yes, you have to walk in accordance with God's plan and will because you can make decisions that try to veer away from God's plan, but that only happens because you're not drawing near to him. He says, it's not about your possessions. He says, I want to I bless you. I want to give you things, but that's not who makes you who you are. I made you, not me, God made you. He says, I made you and I've given you every gift. See, possessions do not equal life. They don't equal life. You can enjoy them in your life, but they're not the definition of it. God says that the amount of things that you have have no correlation with the amount of value that God places on your life. He loves you whether you have 10 grand in your account or 10 bucks in your account. He loves you if you're drive, driving either a Cadillac or a Yugo. Do they even make Yugos anymore? So, but you know what I'm talking about. He loves you on good hair days and bad hair days. And for some of you, no hair days. And uh, he loves you no matter where you work. He loves you and wants to bless you. But he says, but I want you to steward that which I, I give to you. And that's where we find our sense of, a, of, of value is in the presence of God. God continues to explain all these principles in a parable then. Uh, it's a man who ignored God's GPS, if you will. Verses 16 through 18 says, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive, and he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and put it all in a storage shed. Okay, I didn't say that in the scripture, but you get what I mean. He says, I'll build larger ones. He says, I'm going to get my things, and I'm going to put them in a, a storage facility so when everyone drives by, they can say, man, he must be rich because he has so much stuff. See, here's what we do. When you take on the ownership mentality, the ownership mentality says, I have to have more stuff. That, that can be anything. Anything from things that lead us to addictions, to sexual relationships, to sin in our life, to houses we own, to cars that we drive, to, to hobbies that we have, whatever it is. And, and, but we have to have more. We always have to have more. Because we feel like the more that we have, um, the more valuable we are. And the more value that we have, the better we feel about ourselves. But yet, why is it that some people can have so much, but yet feel so empty on the inside. It's because they've missed the whole heart of this concept from the Word of God. You don't be an owner. Be a steward. Be a steward. I can think of so many comedians that pop to my head, and I'm not going to name names, but so many of them that we all laughed at, but their lives were miserable. Some of them even ended their own lives because they were empty on the inside. They didn't understand what it meant to not only steward well, but walk in relationship with a loving God. And that's all God wants to do with you and me. He goes on in the parable and says, Here, here's what I'll do. This, this man in the parable, he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have many good things laid up for many years to come. Take, eat, drink, be merry, enjoy your life is what he's saying. He said to himself, I've accumulated more things in this life. That means I've accumulated more life, right? I'm, I'm more valuable than, than those people out there. And that's wrong thinking because God says every person is valuable in his sight. And then in Luke 12, 20, but God answered. Uh, God said to him, you fool. He said, this very night, your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? Now, who's going to own, he says, what you have stored up in these public storages? He says, not you. Because when your life comes to an end, all that stuff goes away. And so it says finally in verse 21, 
So is the man who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Will this be? He says, we must have this steward mentality. So this man thought as an owner, but he needed that stewardship uh, mentality because even when one has an abundance of possessions, that doesn't necessarily make their life rich. What does? What, what is it that makes me rich? It's being in the presence of God, yes, but it's walking out those promises and walking and leaning into those giftings that he's given you. And, and I know right now, we're going to talk about this, but a lot of times when we talk about giving, people are like, just go ahead, pastor, hit me with it. We're going to talk about money, aren't we? It's about money, yes, it's about, but it's the principle of the tithe. It's about bringing a tenth into the storehouse Malachi talks about, and we'll get into that at another time. But what I hope to do is to try to de-escalate this anxiety that usually happens when we hear about giving and money and so that you and I can catch the heart of God. God does not need your money. Did you know that? Okay. God does not need my money. Say it with me. God does not need my money. As a matter of fact, in case we just forgot, I know we haven't, but the only reason you have money is because he has given it to you or allowed you to have have the abilities to work that job so you could make that money, okay? So God's not concerned about that. He's not tripping about that at all. He says, I want your heart. I want your heart. That's what makes you rich. And so we must make sure we understand. Having more possessions isn't going to give us a, a greater life, okay? Having more possessions is okay. Go ahead. If you got money in the bank and you've been saving up for that boat and you're both in agreement on it, go buy the boat. If you're single and you got money for the boat, go buy the boat. Uh, but don't buy the boat because you're hoping that people will like you more and people will, will, will want to just, you know, be your friend or something. That, that, that's not a, not a good reason. Having more stuff doesn't make life more valuable. If that were true, what would happen is this. <clears throat> the moment that you have somebody in the emergency room or ICU and their monitor is going beep, 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 all of a sudden it goes boom, they flatline, people come in with a new iPad or a computer, or keys to a car and laid on their bed. All of a sudden, beep, beep, start, you know. If possessions gave you life, you would always just be getting more and accumulating more. But that's not the way it works, right? We have a moment here on earth, and it's going to be gone before you know it. Do you have that stewardship mentality? See, the Lord's calling you. <laughs> I was talking to some people over here, and they may be in here, I don't know if they are, but young people, and one of them was like, ooh, I just feel old. And I said, well, did you just have a birthday or what? 16. I said, Shh. With all the love I could muster, I said, shut your mouth. <laughs> I, just, I, I, just, I just feel old. I said, well, try being 52. Now, I know there's people out there who can be like, I wish I could be 52 again. We always don't want to be the age we're at, right? We always want to be younger. And uh, we're just kind of laughing about it. But the point is, is life goes fast. I, I said those words. I said, try being 52. And then I went, oh, my God, I'm 52. <laughs> what happened? You know, um, it just goes so fast. Are you stewarding well along the way so that you can enjoy the true riches that God has given you? True riches are not the boat and the car and the house. The true riches are, even though I eat macaroni and cheese, ramen noodles, and peanut butter, it's you and me, baby. We got Jesus, and we're good right? That's true riches, but that has to be work at. You cultivate that. You put your faith in God. You hear his word, listen, and obey, and God blesses you in the midst of all of that. You don't go looking for more possessions. 
you go looking for that relationship and developing that, that heart of a steward, not an owner, but the heart of a steward. Um, David uh, told us in Chronicles, he said, it's all at God's discretion. It's all at God's discretion. It's, it, it's not important how much you have or how little you have. What really counts is how faithful are you with whatever it is that you do have. Are you faithful with it? Do you, do you use that and say, Lord, bless this, use this? He wants us to be faithful with what we have. And by all means, do not compare what you have with anybody else and what they have. Because then that becomes a problem. Once you start to compare, that's the expression of an owner mentality. I, I, it's never going to be good enough or successful enough unless my business is bigger than their business. Or if this church is bigger than that church. Or if you have more kids than I have more kids. As a matter of fact, go talk to that family. They'll tell you, slow down probably, right? But it's not a competition. Once you start comparing, that's an ownership mentality, not a steward mentality. So if people are comparing and they're jealous, it's because of a fundamental error in their thinking. And we've got to make that switch from ownership to stewardship. So let me just give you three observations from the Word of God about how we can do that, or just to be reminded of what a faithful steward does. A faithful steward, number one, write this down with me, manages another person's property. That's what a faithful steward does. What does a faithful steward look like? Well, if you're going to steward or manage someone else's property, you must, in that little bullet, write this down, you must be trustworthy. You must be trustworthy because we're managing somebody else's possessions. And if you don't do that well, then greed takes over and we start thinking that we're owners. Uh, we're to manage everything that God has placed into our hands for the season that we're in. But how many of you know seasons change, don't they? You can be at one season in your life and then when you're in the new season, it's not that God takes away any of gifts, but he adds to them for the season that you're in or the season that you're getting ready to go through. And he wants you to steward those so well. Don't take on that ownership mentality, but be willing to obey the word of the Lord and be faithful in, in, in your walk because you and I, we don't own anything. We don't own anything. Manage, man, a, a faithful steward manages another person's uh, property, you know. If you're still confused on whether you're an owner or a steward, and you're like, I don't know which, well, think about this with me. Uh, when that day comes, and we're in no rush for it, but when, when that day comes and we pass away, uh, what percentage of your stuff is going to be given away? Answer, 100. <laughs> oh, sure, people are, may, you know, loved ones may hold on to a few things, but um, it, it, it's going to go somewhere eventually. It's going to be gone. It's funny how we, we do things for things. We're we're always compromising in areas that maybe we shouldn't so we can get the stuff that we think will bring us joy, but in the long run doesn't and just puts more strain on the thing that we first compromised. Did you follow that? We can get confused like that sometimes and say, I, I, I don't under, understand, you know, um, but yet we want to own it. Lisa and I, when we were uh, first married, didn't have a whole lot of money. Uh, uh, so going out to eat didn't happen very often, right? And, uh, but when we would go out, we'd get whatever meal it is we wanted to. One of our, one of our date nights was always Vitali Joe's. Anyone ever eat at Vitali Joe's? But we didn't go there for the pizza. We went there for the tortellini, you know, which is a very simple meal and one of the cheaper ones on the menu, if you get where I'm going with this, because we just had to do what we had to do. But we enjoyed that night. We look back, every time we pass that place, 
I think of those memories. I think of the time that we had together. It, you know, it wasn't the greatest, you know, it's not like, you know, oh, wow, this is a five-star restaurant, but it was good food. But what made it great was the value we placed on each other. It, it, was, it was that time that we had there. But here's what we would always do. I, I, I hardly ever finish my whole plate, okay? I almost always take leftovers. I don't know why. Maybe it's because, you know, growing up, you always saw the commercials, you know, people are starving somewhere and uh, I could never understand as a kid, why don't they just box up our food and send it to them? You know, I didn't, I was real young, but I would take leftovers home. And I would, she, I, she go, don't, don't take leftovers. She goes, I said, why not? I said, we, we need, I, I paid for this. I own this. This is my food. She goes, but you're not going to eat it. And I'm like, you don't know that. But she did. <laughs> because, you know, five weeks later, I go open the fridge and open that container, and it's green, and it's fuzzy, and I'd say, what is that? And she goes, that's your dinner from 1994. It's still there. You know, I, I wanted to keep everything, but the reality was is it wasn't going to get used. I wasn't going to eat it. I wasn't a, a big leftover eater. I think I'm better now. I don't know. We'll see, but um, I think I'm better at it. But my point is simply this. Sometimes we just want to hold on to things because it's mine. It's mine. Like we have something to prove, but God's saying, I want you to come to a place where you're a steward, where that you realize the gifts that I give you, I want you to manage them so that they can be a blessing for the kingdom of God. Here's number two. A faithful steward also takes his instructions from the owner. He takes his instructions from the owner. If you're a good money manager, <clears throat> and that's your thing, and that's what you do, and somebody comes to you and says, I want you to help me invest my money. So I'm going to give you, anyone feel like giving me $10 million, feel free, you know, but let's say that somebody came to you and said, I want you to help me invest my money. So I'm going to give you, let's say they've, they got millions and millions, and they come and say, I'm going to give you $10 million, and I want you to invest that. And your response, let's say your response was, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I can finally get my house in Beverly Hills. I can hang around with Enter Entertainment Weekly, and I can get the jet skis. And you start talking like that, what's he going to say to you? Well, in the words of Donald Trump, you're fired, right? <laughs> He's going to say, you're fired. Why? Because that is not your money. It's my money. I'm just asking you for help. This is my property, and I want you to take instruction from me. But if all you can do is what you want to do, you're not going to see the blessings. God has given us gifts, talents, abilities. And the question is, is how are you stewarding them? And are you taking your instruction from the owner? Are you taking instruction from the owner? He's calling us to a place where we can develop that in our heart because if we can't have that, then why would he trust us with more? Let me bring you back to that. We talked about the tithe earlier, what the tithe is. We'll talk more in the next, next week, but it, it's, it's a principle. He says, bring your tithe into the storehouse where you're spiritually fed. Bring and give in the offering. And I learned this principle at a, at a young age. <clears throat> I learned it at a long age. I learned it at a young age. I got away from doing it and had to kind of relearn it. <laughs> Because as a kid, I learned it. You just give God 10%, right? Do you realize that when God says, bring your tithe 10% into the storehouse, he's only, all he's asking for is a dime? Every time, he's just saying, just give me a dime. That's all I'm asking for. For everything that I bless you with, I'm just asking that you give me a dime. Now, that wasn't bad when I made like 100 bucks a week, let's say. Wow, I'm giving him $10. That isn't really that hard, but yet it kind of was because I was only making 100, let's say. But then all of a sudden, let's say you start making more money. And that tenth goes up. A lot of times we think, that's more money. I can't afford to tithe. I would argue with you, you can't afford not to. 
Because it talks about how when you are obedient to the word of God and you give, that he not only opens up the windows of blessing into your life. We remember that part, but you remember the part where it says he protects you from the devourer. It says that when, what, what, what is this? Like a mafia hit, hush money, you know, if God, if give God 10%, he'll protect. No, he says that if you will be obedient, because I want your heart. He's saying, I know that your heart is so connected to the things and the stuff and the money. He says, I just want a part of your heart. I want to be a part of that. And he says that if you will steward it well and be obedient, he says, I'll protect you from the devourer. I will open up the windows of heaven and I will bring blessings into your life. When you're a faithful steward who manages another person's property, who takes his instruction from the owner, and then you'll find this number three, write this down. He takes joy, a faithful steward does, in making the greatest impact for eternity. When you steward well what God has given you, you start making the greatest impact. You start swinging from the sweet spot. Let me say it that way. Baseball players, when they go up to bat, you can sometimes hear it when you're at the game, but baseball players will talk a lot about how hitting from the sweet spot, they'll get up there and they'll swing, and if they hit the ball and it's too close down to the hands or if it's up at the tip of the bat, it makes different noises, doesn't it? You know, and, uh, but when you hit right in that one spot where, where your swing matches the speed of the ball coming in and it connects at that sweet spot, it means less work from you and greater impact on the trajectory of the ball. That's the sweet spot. He says that when you start swinging from the sweet spot, walking out in obedience and stewarding well what I've given to you and not taking up an ownership mentality, he said, it'll be less work on our part and God will do the, he'll take care of the trajectory. He'll take care of all of that. But we have to make sure we understand that we are first and foremost stewards. So how do we do that? Well, you start small, but you got to start now. Uh, Take out your envelope with me. Got your envelope, you know, finally, he's getting to that envelope. What is in that thing? Drive me nuts. Some of you may, I've done this once before. You might remember doing it once before. But go ahead and open up your envelope and take out whatever is in there. All right. You got some money in the envelope. Give me that envelope back. <laughs> I was just about to say, you'll notice there's different denominations. I'm like, who put 500 in there? You, you've either got a $1 bill, a $5 bill, or a $10 bill. You don't know which one you've got. And here's what I want to do. This is how I, want, I just want to conclude service. Is I want to challenge you in this area of stewardship. Uh, as I said, some got $1, some got 5 some got 10 Now, here's your homework for the week. Uh, that you take this money that you've now you've got. Uh, Everyone take your money and hold it up. Okay. Now, this is not your money. Look at your neighbor and tell them, this is not your money. All right. Good. Good, good, good. If I see you all at Pizza Ranch later, I'll know. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want us to remember this is not our money. And I want you to also notice when you probably looked around, you saw people had different denominations. Well, so it is with God when he hands out gifts. He gives his gifts to everybody, and he gives according to how it's his discretion, however he wants to. So if somebody's sitting next to you and they got a $10 bill and you got a $1 bill, don't look at them and go, aw, I wish I had a $10 bill, right? Just hang with me. How many times have we done that, though? Think If we're honest with ourselves, oh, I wish I had their marriage. 
Oh, I wish I had their job. Oh, I wish I had their finances. You get where I'm going with that. So here's what you're going to do to help us change our thinking from owners to stewards. We're going to take this money, and I want you to think about this. It's going to test your honesty and your trustworthiness because if you're going to be a good steward, you need to be honest and you need to be trustworthy. It's required of a steward. And I want you to make that switch in your thinking so we can become faithful in this area. It's going to test our heart, just like David. You know, it was about a heart issue. What I want you to do is, is I want you to invest this money somehow, some way, this week into the, the kingdom of God. Okay, what do you mean kingdom of God? What I mean is this. I want you to find a way to use this money to bless somebody else. And you got to find a way to be creative uh, so that they know it's a blessing that's coming to them, that you're just wanting to give to them. Now, I know right away, it's the first thing I thought of when I, I, I started this little illustration in my head. I thought, everybody's going to go, what can I do with a dollar, right? You ever, were you thinking that? Yeah. How's that going to bless anybody, you know? It costs more to print the paper it's on, I think, you know, a dollar. But how many of you know that the dollar in the hands of an almighty God can do much greater than the hands of you or me? We're talking about the same God who took some loaves and some fishes and multiplied them in an enormous way to feed like 5,000 people and more, right? We're talking about the same God who uh, parted the Red Sea so people go walk through on dry ground. We're talking about that God today, right? Right? Help me out here. Okay, so do you believe and have enough faith that that same God can take your $1 bill and do something miraculous with it? Because the amount of faith you place on that is going to determine a lot the outcome of what you do, not only with your dollar or $5 or $10, but what happens in your heart. Here's what I want you to do. I'll give you some ideas. I'll give you some, some creative thoughts, maybe, hopefully. But the principle behind it is this. We're attempting to let our light so shine in such a way that people don't just see our good works, that they see God, the God behind it, the reason for the giving. Now, there's many ways you can use this. You can, you can give it to somebody that you would deem as a, a poor person. You know, they don't have much money. And, and, then, and then talk to them about Jesus somehow, some way. You can even give it to a waitress as an extra tip. And I know, you're like, a dollar's not going to do it. Well, then maybe the Lord's going to say, why don't you add five bucks to that one and watch what I'll do? Because if God says it, then there's something amazing that he wants to do. But you let them know, I want to bless you. Maybe, maybe it's going to come in, 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 a, in, a, in a different way. My, my point is simply this. You've got to figure out the way that you're going to not only hear God, but communicate to whoever it is that, that you give to. Maybe the Lord's going to tell you, you know what? It's $1, but it's not about the dollar. Don't, don't see the green. Don't see old you know, Washington on here and think, this doesn't buy much. Think about, this is seed right here. And sometimes God might just speak to you and say, uh, maybe you'll be at a restaurant. And, you know, everyone puts on there, whether you give 10%, 15%, 18%, custom tip, whatever you do. Maybe the Lord's going to speak to your heart in that moment. He's going to say, why don't you give that dollar? Why don't you add 10 more to it? I don't know what it'll do. Maybe, maybe it's going to be something where you have come together in your family. You're here today, and you're like, cool, we got three bulletins today. That's three envelopes. Then maybe the three of you need to get together and pool your money, even if it's only three ones, and say, Lord, this is just seed. What can we do to multiply it? What can we, where, where do you want us to bless somebody? Uh, Lord, how can we allow this to, you know, maybe you're here today, and I know here's the, here's the other thing people get hung up on man, I don't mind giving people, you know, some money, but talking to them about Jesus, you, you got to figure out your way, okay, your rhythm. 
Some people are natural talkers, right? And they just get up and go, oh, can I just let you know that God just wants to bless you. Can I give you some? And boom. And then there's other people that are just, they want to go in here. <laughs> you know, it, it's okay. It's all right. You figure out a way. How can I bless somebody anonymously? How can I, maybe I'm going to add it together and buy a gift card and send it to somebody that I know needs groceries. There's so many things that you can do, but the most important thing is, is that you're hearing the Lord speak to you. If you're a family and you want to do that as a unit, do that together. That would be a great exercise. If you're here today and you're a married couple, it would be a great exercise to say, hey, what'd you get in your envelope? This is what I got. This is what I got. What do you want to do? And let's do it together because you're cultivating and developing that, that, that heart of a steward. Well, pastor, I'm here today and I'm single and I don't have those kind of people in my life. You are valuable in the kingdom of God. This seed in your hand can go a long way when you humble your heart and say, God, what do you want to do? How do you want to use it? We trust the Lord with that. So I've given a few suggestions, but I want you to get creative on your own. And what I want you to do is find a way to bless somebody. I'm going to ask in a couple weeks. I, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll create some kind of email or Gmail account. I, I want to hear some testimonies. I want people saying, you know what? I gave my money to this person. This is how I chose to bless them. Whether you hear back from them or not, where did you invest your seed? I want to hear back because your testimony is one of the most powerful things in this world. They overcame him being the enemy by the blood of the lamb and their testimony. Their testimony. This is something that we can do, but let, let me be clear. I got to tell you what you cannot do with it. Okay, this money that you've been given, uh, a few things. Number one, you can't use it to buy hamburgers and french fries for yourself, okay? I know you're like, a buck ain't gonna buy me a burger. No, but don't add that buck to your other 10 and go get it. So this is not for you. This is for somebody else. Number two, you can't hop on a plane and go to Vegas and put this in a slot machine, okay? All right, Jesus, I'm praying over this dollar right now. Lord, if it be your will, when I insert it into this gaming system, will you multiply it? But don't do that. All right? Okay. You're laughing because it probably crossed your mind, you know. We probably make a few. Number three, when I say give it to a poor person, that does not mean you can go to your home and say, you look pretty poor, I'm pretty poor, let's exchange envelopes, okay? You can't do that. Number four, do not put it in the offering plate. You're talking about giving and you don't want me to put it in the offering? No, I don't. This is not your money, but this is seed that we want to invest somewhere in the kingdom of God out there. So don't put it back in the offering plate and say, I'm just going to make Jesus so he'll be tickled to death. No, take it. It's seed form. It's seed form. And number five, the last thing you cannot do is you can't expect to come here next week and get another envelope, okay? <laughs> you know, church attendance doubles next week. I'll know why. But let me tell you what you can do with it. You can add some money to it. You can double it. You can triple it. You can do something amazing uh, to bless somebody else. You can pool your money, as I said, with your family, uh, with a few people. Maybe you've got some, a group of friends. Hey, let's put our money together and let's all do something to bless somebody anonymously because we know they're hurting right now. You could be spontaneous in, a, in an opportunity like when you're at the grocery store line and you see somebody who doesn't have enough. They're a $1.58 short and you've got a five in your pocket and you jump up and say, I'll cover that and you take the change. What, it, it can come up in so many ways, but the reason we don't see those opportunities a lot of times is because we're not looking for them. 
But when we start looking for them, God starts opening up windows and doors of opportunity. And all of a sudden, because he can trust you with a dollar, he'll trust you with 20. If he can trust you with 20, he can trust you with 50. You get where I'm going with this. This isn't about a scratch-off lottery system in the name of Jesus. It's about being a good steward of what God gives to us so he can work through us. So my, that's my challenge to you this week. We're going to learn to be good stewards. We're going to learn about giving according to the word of God. We're going to learn about tithing. But you'll find at the very heart of it all is just that, your heart. It's, about, it's not about how much you can give or how much you can get. It's about simply obeying what God has already spoken to us. And I want to pray for us today that when we leave this place, that we would have new eyes to see this differently. It's not a game. It's not a competition. It's not a comparison thing. It's, Jesus, what are you speaking to me, and how can I be used for the kingdom of God? Will you pray with me? Father, I ask today that as we prepare to leave this place, that you will have spoken to us in a way that we understand about stewardship that maybe we've never known before. Lord, each and every one of us are holding in our possession, a piece of paper that this world calls valuable. The denominations may differ, but it's still valuable according to the world. But to you, it's just a piece of paper. Lord, what you call valuable is our heart. So Lord, forgive us when we've not been the greatest of having a heart that wants to give. Lord, would you teach us in these moments what it means to not just give because I have to, but give because I get to. Because that changes everything. Father, I pray that you will cause there, that when we follow your uh, word, when we're obedient to you, that Lord, you would do just what you said. Protect us from the devourer. That you would open up the windows of heaven and pour forth blessings into our life as we give in our tithes. Jesus, we love you. And we ask all of this in your name. Amen, church.